I think the two main things that helped me was coaching. Like at one time it was maps coaching, but then maintaining a coach to help me do something different that I hadn't done before. And even though I'm highly capable and pretty good at what I try, like that was just different, right? Like that was very different. And being willing to acknowledge that when it's not, you know, when I'm not getting the same speed of result or when I'm not, you know, as successful by whatever metric that is in my leadership journey, that you really do have to lean into and reach out for help and support and be ready to make adjustments. So Joe Martin here for our uh, new, newest episode of Entrepreneurial Impact. I've got Harrison Beecher with Coalition Properties Group. Uh, little known fact, I actually knew him in bars and restaurants and hospitality before we both got into real estate. But I'm really excited to have Harrison on today, not only because of his journey in real estate, his leadership, his public speaking, his philanthropy and giving back and just what he's built uh, as a solo agent and then merging into a massive over $100 million sales team with two of his best friends and also business partners now. So for this episode of Entrepreneur Impact, you're on for a, a roller coaster, just great nuggets and great uh, impact and just great stories. So Harrison, without further ado, man, like, tell me, like, how'd you get to where you're at today, man? Yeah, man, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. No, um, <laughs> I graduated college in 2008 and, uh, you know, it was a great time to get into real estate and uh, graduated from Georgetown University, was working uh, early on in hospitality, then waiting tables at the tomb, serving, bouncing, DJing, and had a very good friend whose mother was a broker and said like, you know what, I think you'd be good at this. Um, I did not really intend to get into real estate, but when pretty much every other option because of my two point five something GPA was not that attractive. Uh, I said, you know, let, let's give this a shot because I really trusted her as both a businesswoman and just someone that understood kind of the lay of the land and that knew me well enough um, that I gave it a shot. So graduated in May, licensed in July and, you know, dove in right away and had some ideas early that the same way I was good at DJing, the same way I was good at being a server or bartender, like kind of creating experiences and paying attention to people, that customer service thing just stuck with me. Like, that's what I should do here. And it wasn't much initially, right? It was a couple friends uh, from college who gave me a shot. Uh, and then it was thinking about some seminars or ways that I could entice people to come and hang out at homebuyer seminars on U Street, the, the same places I would DJ. Like, how could I vertically integrate the spaces where I was and include real estate conversations to my peers uh, and do a good job when they came at me, right? Like when they came and gave me a shot, how do I do a good job and just continue to kind of elevate the experience and help and learn. Uh, and that's been a really cool journey. And I always joke and say it took my parents, um, I had to bring them a realtor magazine showing that I'd earned a 30 under 30 national award for them to finally say, oh, so I guess you're not going to law school now. I guess this is what we're doing now. I was like, yeah, mom, I, I'm pretty, pretty good at this. And, uh, you know, the, the rest is history. And it's just been a dope journey. And the last three years, Joe, have been fascinating of both a personal growth journey, kind of me stretching my leadership lid and just having to get better with the people management part of it, which is kind of the next phase of, of the career. Um, and you've been so instrumental in supporting me through that because that's the next phase is like I figured out the sales part decently. How do I actually become a better leader, uh, better at leverage and better at, you know, the things that can get me back a little bit of time to hang out with my new little human. You know exactly what that's like too, because you got a whole bunch of them. Playing zone defense in the Martin household. Um, you know, it's, it's you brushed over this in your journey, which I think is actually really helpful for anybody tuning in and listening is like the journey from sales to leadership 
and I wouldn't call it management because you manage things, you lead people, but there's, there's a big gap. And just because you're good at sales and, you know, you got your people, you got your uh, energy, you're able to take care of people, you know how to be resourceful and get solution oriented. And it, there's a difference between being really good at that as a single operator and then having to move into a leadership of other people to get success through others. So what's like double tap into that one? Like what was the biggest um, ahas that you've had from going in from, from sales into leadership? Because I think it's helpful for people to hear that kind of thing. Yeah, man. As a, as you asked me that question, it makes me realize, I guess I'm coming up on nine years at KW now, um, which out of a you know 14 year career, right? It's been much longer here than anywhere else. And something that intrigued me initially, in addition to having support to win that 30 under 30, was just folks around me, like your Carlos Garcia's, your Joel's, your Bo's, um, you know, Jason Martin's at the time, folks that had grown and built some pretty cool stuff and and it is a different muscle it's different energy from being a, a you know personally driven salesperson that can just go out and crank out deals and respond and work all day and all night to figure out how you structure and replicate what you do or the customer experience when people other than you are interacting with your clients right because this is a client business and that core client experience is at, at the middle of it but you know, that progression from individual producer to leader to, you know, leader of people to manager of systems to creator of uh, implementer of things is a whole separate. And, and I think for me, it was leaning into the folks around me like you that do it at a high level and acknowledge that this is outside of what I normally do. So I think the two main things that helped me was coaching. Like at one time it was maps coaching, but then maintaining a coach to help me do something different that I hadn't done before. And even though I'm highly capable and pretty good at what I try, like that was just different, right? Like that was very different. And being willing to acknowledge that when it's not, you know, when I'm not getting the same speed of result or when I'm not, you know, as successful by whatever metric that is in my leadership journey, that you really do have to lean into and reach out for help and support and be ready to make adjustments and admit that you need more help outside of just your natural skill set because they are not always consistent, right? The best player is not always the best coach. And that that takes like reinforcement and just kind of self-awareness and the willingness to reach out to the resources around you to, to figure it out. Uh, it's huge. It's, if you think about, you hit two really good parts that we've actually on this podcast have never actually talked about was like systems and then coaching. So thank you for that because I, I think they're really important um, on the system side, I had somebody once, one of my mentors, I'm really good with numbers, kind of a wizard of such that just shouldn't fire that fast. But I was able to do a budget projection within like five minutes. And I just had rapid fire in my brain. And I basically spit out this number to my mentor. And thank God for him slowing me down. He goes, okay, pause. What was the first step you did in like that assessment? What was the second mm -hmm. step? What was the third step? What was the fourth step? What was the fifth step? Because what he actually taught me in that moment was people that are highly successful, they have gifts in certain areas, right? But those gifts can be replicable if you figure out what system the person is applying the decision-making through. Yeah. Right? So I look at like public speaking as one. Like some people think like, you know, you're really good on, you know, energy, engagement, funny, like you're a really good orator. Uh, and curator experiences when you're doing public speaking. And like, if I, I've actually, no no creepiness behind this, but I actually watch what you're doing mm -hmm. when you're presenting. And there's certain pieces of like inflection points that you do, uh, self-deprecation, 
yeah. how you change your tones, how when do you actually uptake the energy and do like a what I call a pattern interrupt. And what's cool for me as like a leader is to watch people that are really good at something and see how you break that down and be like, this is what actually the structure that Harrison's putting out there to be really good at it. Well, yeah. And that's that second level, man, of, you know, I think true mastery, like there's the ability to do something well yourself, right? Which I think salespeople, good salespeople kind of get to naturally, but that's that whole conversation of entrepreneurial to purposeful and where, you know, I think, you know, both KW, KWCP, like what y'all have helped me with is the growth along that journey, but also realizing that there are always people that are a lot better at it and that I can acknowledge and that I want to study and break down. And that's where my partner, Ryan, is just a beast in, you know, being a student of the game and saying like, hey, if we wanted to build out coalition, who are the people? Like he flew all over the country. Like he was doing this in 2018 before we even came together. He's flying everywhere, like interviewing team leaders and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing there, man? <laughs> Like they, they're doing it there. Like we're trying to do this here. Like this is, that's not going to uh, translate. Like I would say that, uh, you know, you're not supposed to say that. But I'm like, this is not going to translate, but that's a, another, you know, on this desire to growth and to, to be the best that you can be at it. Who are you studying that's doing it well? And what little cues can you pick up? Because there is, and there has to be a system that you can break down and that you can get really granular and specific about if you're trying to get others to do some of the same things you're doing in your organization. And I, I keep bringing this one to the play because I'm always about like little slogans because you keep it simple, stupid, right? Yeah. Is that um, history repeats itself just with different people, right? Yeah. And you'd be more inclined to have more success by being like, hey, I don't have to figure this out on my own. Someone else has done this. Let me go find, which is exactly what Ryan did. He's like, Someone else has done what we've wanted to do. Let's just go find them and just replicate it and stop being, stop being entrepreneurial or thinking I'm the best thing since sliced bread when I should just rip off and duplicate. Yeah, and you, and you put your own style and that's the other part about folks that are really naturally, they have a good natural talent. But, you know, as you, as, as you know, as you've seen, I think in kind of everything from sports to entertainment to business to whatever, natural talent kind of has its limit unless you're like a super freak like there are some super freaks where natural talent can they can just keep going but that is a very you know small number of people because then life happens right and then other stuff comes up to where your ability to compensate with with natural talent or hustle or staying up all night like that's a perfect example like when you have a kid you got a kid around you can't stay up all night and just figure out the stuff and squeeze it into the last second like you used to you have to be more structured if you don't you're, you're gonna fall apart like something home's gonna fall apart business gonna fall apart like you have to be more structured and what's crazy about that is I think there's two things and actually goes really well into the second portion of like coaching is that when you look at um, your business, you're actually talking about scale. Like if yeah. you don't create systems and models, you can't scale. And then as the, I think as the leader, what at least what I have been really focused on and being able to like get where I go is how do I scale it? And then how do I teach people how to think? And yeah. I think, if you're in coaching or any of those that have like, ah, coaching's not for me, I didn't get anything out of it. I think there's two things to remember in coaching is one, you you take the value on of like uh, asking better questions because intrinsically like any self-driven person is going to be like, unless the idea comes from me, I'm eh, probably yeah. not going to really buy into it. But number two is saying, are you self-aware enough that you have deficiencies mm -hmm. in certain areas of your business? Because for a great coach to happen, it's like, you know, say it's you and I, right? And I go to you and say, Harrison, like, hey, I want to get into coaching, one, because I want to get better at asking questions so I can get people to think. 
And then number two is I'm terrible at these three things that I've self-aware like chosen. And if I go into that meeting with you and that coaching dynamic of knowing what I'm missing and what I think I need, like it's going to be a lot more impactful as opposed to, well, Harrison, I'm stuck at doing 50 million a year. Someone told me to get into coaching. So I'm coming to you to get into coaching. Like it's not, it's not as effective as when someone's self-aware enough to realize I'm humble. I want to get better. And I know that for man to be a great leader, it's not managing people. It's asking better questions and getting self-awareness of the coach of the coachee so that they can unlock their greatness to be the best level of who they want to be. And and being honest with yourself, I mean, the other part of our journey, Joe has, you know, made me realize that if it were not for, um, you know, Keith and Ryan and kind of what we've built with this triad, this level of scale, probably something I would have never pursued or would have would have had like the internal kind of skill set to actually execute like the way we've executed it. And I think a lot of folks that, you know, come to big conferences or, or consume content like this think that, you know, in order to do it, like they got to be this big, massive thing. And I don't think that's the case. I feel like there's a sweet spot for a lot of folks, but the self-awareness part, and this is where both the coaching and systems go hand in hand. Like you got to know yourself and you got to know that the team you're putting together and there, there's going to be like, you can always do better. You should always strive to do better and build to the point that lets you live the life you want to live, but big scaling for everybody. Cause it's a, it's a whole different thing. It's like, it's different than real estate. It's not about real estate at all <laughs> when it's big, right? Like it's about so many other things and that, and that piece of it can be, it's just different to deal with, right? That's a different kind of emotional thing than saying like, I'm great at selling them, love my people, love hugging on folks. But if I want to have a productive business organization, there's a lot of other stuff I got to handle so that I can actually get to the selling part. And, and you get a little separated from that, the bigger things get. And for us, it makes sense. And it's what we want to do. And I'm, I'm so pleased with what we've been able to build in our journey. But that part of it isn't, is not for everybody, because it, it becomes a different thing when it's, you know, at a bigger scale. That makes sense. Funny, I think you bring up what I think is really good for you as like an example for anybody listening is like your phases of life, right? And that at a certain phase, you got into real estate, you're like, I want the freedom, I want to be my own boss, and I like that there's no cap on my income, yeah. right? And you're like, I've never made money like this. I remember when I hit first six figures, I was like, damn, like, yeah, this right? is really awesome. But yeah. then you do six figures like three years in a row, four years in a row, and now that's like baseline entry. Like, yeah, this is like your your ticket to the to the to the show yeah. and now it's like you said it's not about real estate's the vehicle because it's got so many creative ways to impact people and to make money and to create passive income whatever the thing may be but i think as you get into different phases of the business and life like kids mm-hmm. it's not about the money it's about real estate as a vehicle for generational wealth or it's a vehicle for confidence it's a vehicle for stability it's a vehicle of hey i've made it because my family never had and, yeah. real estate. and then and then it goes into like, you know, you get into all kinds of like different avenues of real estate and how, you know, I think we can get into like the fact that in DC, the, the, the negativity of like, you know, East of the river and like, how did that come about and how like racism has played into like real estate and how you can actually be a generational change yeah. for people uh, around that. And I think that's really cool for what your group has done for impact of people because real estate's been the vehicle for your platform to speak, but also transform lives, which is really like kudos to you for anybody listening, like the amount of impact that your guys' team puts out there for the community, especially around homeownership for a, 
um, for disenfranchised people, I think is huge. Like you've got a lot of respect for me on that, on that avenue for your team. Thank you. And that's been the the last, I'll say, you know, as we've been growing, trying to think strategically about where can we have this knowledge we've amassed, this um, network we've amassed, this privilege, right, that we've kind of created, and how can we share that in a way that helps more people and helps others? Like, yes, it's, you know, most direct with some of our sales team members, like I think of Isaiah, right? Like where he, at, at such a young age, what he's been able to do what in his trajectory at only 24, man, 24 years old. He's about to do some, continue to do some crazy stuff. Um, so whatever he's listening is, Isaiah came on as a buyer agent for Harrison and yeah. now is their like director of sales, hustles on commercial deals. Like he's just made an amazing life for himself. And like the humbleness that comes out of Isaiah, like as I get to engage with him is so cool, but there's so few people where you say, Hey, what's the challenge? You give him an answer and then he goes out and implements it like the next day. And it's just incredible to see his growth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the cooler part to me. You talk about like, what are the, the things in the business that you're building or the things that are a part of your world that become the focal points when it's not just the check I got to make, because it's not about surviving. Right. Um, it's arguably not even about thriving. Like I think our mindset is around like kind of optimization, efficiency, and then, you know, distance really, right? Like that's where we're at now. And that also takes kind of a different skill set and a different muscle. And it just takes alignment, which is our constant struggle. And that's our constant opportunity to stay aligned as this amorphous thing continues to move. Like it's moving forward, but it changes. And the places you got to be focused on change all the time. And especially in a market like we've had, you know, this is, I, I've been fortunate that from my whole time in from basically 08, to 21, it was just an upward trajectory. And it, you know, 20 and 21 took like a hockey stick curve and then it kind of flattened out, right? It flattened out. I would say it's like falling off, but it flattened out. And, and the, yeah. the crazy part is like, there was such a being used to just growth because it's what happens. Like you just do more the next year. Like that's just what happens to realize like, okay, now that I'm going through a actual market cycle, this is a, a different set of a different experience that I need to be you know, both thoughtful of, remember, think about, and kind of plan for in the future and teach my team members and folks that haven't experienced anything else, like things are going to go up and down all the time. And when there is this influx down, whatever we're calling right now, shift, um, there is a ton of opportunity and how well positioned are we to actually not just stay in and survive, but to take some more market share to do some really interesting stuff when other folks are retreating. Cause now you're talking about some numbers of the people that are like getting out of the business. Like it's, it's a thing, like it was going to happen, right. When things don't keep going up forever, but you know, it, it's like, <laughs> there was, we were in a uh, metrics for Ben Kinney's training a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll find the book to share it with you, but it was the, sharing about a book that chronicled a commercial real estate guy through the savings and loan crisis in the eighties. And he listed all the things that he wished, he had done, you know, the things that he did well, things that he did bad and things that he wished he had done different. Um, and the first was like just, you know, kind of reading the writing on the wall and taking action quicker to make changes, to cut, to reduce expenses, to do all the all the shift stuff. Um, so I'm glad we as a collective were, were thoughtful in that. And, you know, I'm just encouraged that this new opportunity, this new market cycle has given me a chance to grow and to be better and to help our team members like figure this out and have an even bigger set of tools in their repertoire that can literally help them navigate <laughs> like whatever comes because we have like seen it all in the last couple of years. I think to add on to points like that you've, what I hear you saying on points you've grown from like a solo to where you're at now is like you said, hey, 
you got to figure out scale through systems. Number two, you got to get into some level of coaching because it's going to help you to grow and break through your lid, but also allow you to be a better leader because you're going to ask those questions. And the third thing for your team was really communication that like, if you're trying to be in alignment that when it's just you and an admin, the communication channel is very easy. Right. But when you get into the scale, how many, how many people are on your team now? Like how many, like I, I can't keep track. Yeah, it's uh, 16 agents total and seven full-time admin. So when you get the scale of over 20 people, like you got to have a system behind your communication. And then what I, even in my role, like I, I got checked by my mentor. He's like, you're not communicating enough. I'm like, what do you mean? I, I did an email, text message, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, listen, Joe, think about, um, you know, Jack Welsh is that communicate till you think you've beat the dead horse and then continue to communicate because you still haven't actually gotten it through to everybody. And what I realized his comment to me was like, look, you had a goal, right? Your goal was X, Y, Z, right? Or maybe it was an attendance to an event. Your communication, just say, because you said you went through the metrics of, I did an email, I did text messages, I made phone calls. It's in, it's in pursuit of a goal. So mm-hmm. like, if you're not communicating the value and the offering and all that kind of stuff, you can measure it by your end result. And then you have to figure out how do I message it differently? How do I communicate it differently? And how do I sit down with people? Because they're all going to be receiving stuff. And I think you make a very good point for those people that are going from a solo agent to a team is that you've got to really reevaluate your communication channels. Otherwise you're going to have people going in 10 different directions and missing exactly what you talked about, which is the alignment. And you got to trust your gut too with it, man. You know, it's like the same with the client, man. Whenever, you know, people are floating and there's no direction, there's no touch point and you, and you are out of touch then something's wrong. <laughs> like you got to do better. And there's never been a time. Um, again, I guess the only example I can think of is me and Isaiah were in so much communication just about deals and everything. Like we were next week, we were glued to the hip. So, you know, that was different because we were just always there. When you get a little bit further separated from folks and there is even the opportunity for them to not be in consistent touch with you, that's where you really got to be diligent about, you know, your systems, your structure, how you communicate, when you communicate, your rhythm. Yeah. Um, that's where stuff, you fall out of rhythm, man. It's the key to life, man. You're out of rhythm, like you're not going to achieve the results you expect. You're not going to you know, accomplish what you need to is that, that rhythm and that, that flow is like, flow. yeah. Oh, and then like, and when you're in flow, you just know it. I don't know how to best describe anybody that's played like sports or anything competitively, you know, when you're in that flow is it just like comes and you don't know how to describe it. Just like, it's just there. Um, but I think to kind of like put a bow on this, this episode, you brought up a point of like, um, you know, now you're in a flat point with a shifting market. And I think it's actually very valuable for like this market of the moment to talk about um, getting back into lead generating or prospecting. Because I think that's where you were going with it because the past three years, most agents, most real estate professionals, where you want to call yourself, have been catching yeah. and they, they've just had to service. They haven't actually had to lead, uh, lead generate, prospect, nurture, build the lead funnel. And I think that's actually very important because if you know how to do that, the agents have gotten in the past three years aren't going to know how to prospect appropriately and figure out creative solutions to get deals done. And people like yourself that know that kind of thing are going to actually maintain their market share and then come through this with even more of it. So my question to you is, what's the piece of advice for anybody going into this market where you actually have to lead, Jen? What would be your strategy or advice for them to win more business now? 
on whatever your lever is, uh, you have to feed the top of that funnel with more activity from that lever. So for us, it was really straightforward. Seminars and education and events. Now we had to look at events a little bit differently because when you know cash is flowing, everybody's out here, you can be much more extravagant and bigger. So we're, we've already adjusted on that side. But on the seminar and education standpoint, in the month of January, I was looking at our schedule, like at the end of December, I'm like, this is too many seminars. Like, this is crazy. Like we are oversaturated, but I'll tell you what, Joe, every single one of them got better engagement, got more people and had quicker conversion in the month of January, 2023 than anything that we did in all of 2022. So like making that, that one choice of saying our lever is education, our lever is seminars. How do we really double down? Not just leadership, but all of our agents, we're yelling at them, put it on the calendar, put it out there. We're going to be continuing to market it. It has been a positive thing because I think the momentum, there's like this curiosity around when things change. Like everybody wants to know, well, like, well, what does this mean? Like, I, I'm hearing so much crap. Like, what does this mean? And if you can be in a posture and in a place where you're act proactively saying, like, let's get together and talk about what's going on, that's much better than responding after somebody hears some crazy stuff elsewhere. And it's like, you know, I might reach out to you and see what's going on. You say, no, let's set up the time. Let's create the space where you come and we talk about it. And I educate you that i think is is going to continue to be the best strategy and the best way to do it because it is playing offense but it also gives an intermediate space for some of those older leads folks that maybe touched base last year and forgot about it you give them a place and an option where they can come and show up and kind of reconnect with you but then you got to follow up after and that that's been our biggest you talk about playing offense our offense is not just more of the seminars but being really diligent when we're checking in like all right you got that whole list what are you following up with in terms of value to them to move them from just a passive consumer of the information to someone yeah. who's actually in the game and taking action? Um, and those are, you know, two main things I think folks need to do is whatever your lever is, lean into it, be more direct and action oriented with it, and then follow up with value again after you do just the one, can't do just the one thing, right? We went yeah. from being like, oh, I'm just going to be here and catch. I'm going to catch and see whatever happens. No, you got to step out and actually, you know, play some offense and then do some more follow-up offense afterwards. And in that second follow-up, we're getting such better return and our pipeline is looking really strong because of kind of those two steps of playing offense instead of just being in a, you know, receiving posture. Well, I hear you saying, which is, is directly to the heart of being able to take market share when everybody else doesn't know what the heck's going on, is the education now more than ever is going to be important because right now the media is saying all these different things about housing prices, mortgage applications, all this negative stuff about the real estate market, which actually isn't true because we still have an inventory issue, which is always going to keep pricing high. But we're actually at a place now where education to teach people that know, like, there isn't a collapse coming because there's people that actually have equity number two you actually have more so like options as a buyer yeah your interest rate might be a little bit higher but now you can actually negotiate you can actually have inspections you can actually get seller subsidies and you actually have now i think what's actually really cool on the mortgage side is i feel like the mortgage companies are coming up with such creative options they're desperate they're desperate and because they're desperate they're, they're trying to put money back in the streets they yeah are. So like, I think that's the best part of what you just brought up is that education, when we think, hey, we've been in the real estate industry forever, however long, like everybody knows this, when in fact people don't, and they don't know simple things that they can do to actually get into home ownership. And then the second part was just intentionality. That's what I heard you say is like, just get intentional, like don't have a seminar and just have a seminar, have a seminar and like kill three birds with one stone and make sure that you get this thing set up and that follow-up going on and that message. So like, I think intentionality now more than ever is also important to make sure when you're on the offensive, you're not just, you know, 
spinning your wheels. Vertically integrate, man. If you're doing anything that is a lead generation or business building activity, how many different buckets can you touch? How do I meet strangers? How do I remind people that came into my world and maybe fluttered off? And then how do I get my folks that are already paying attention to me and like me anyway to get activated to tell their friends about us and grow my network through warm referrals that way? Like everything you do should hit all three of those buckets. And when it does, and you do the active follow-up afterwards, you're going to get some good results right now. Because guess what? You always were going to get good results from doing that. We just didn't you know, lean into those extra parts, right? Well, hey, Harrison, I appreciate your time today, man. Thank you for pouring in, telling your story, giving some nuggets for these people that are listening in. I really appreciate you coming on Entrepreneurial Impact, man. And uh, for those that are listening, give us a follow. Click it on Spotify or Apple. Give us that follow. I promise you'll get great content on the real estate side and entrepreneurs. And then, uh, Harrison, you got any final words, man? Let's get after it, man. It's the year when other people retreat from the market or any opportunity. That's when you got to step in. And 23 is the time to do it. Awesome. Well, that's it. Uh, until next time on Entrepreneurial Impact, appreciate y'all and have a great week.